Welcome to the Death and Taxes podcast, the only podcast dedicated to life's two certainties, death and taxes. My name is Brandon Ayers. I am an estate planning attorney uh, by trade. Um, Because of that, I also deal with the issues of taxation across multiple generations from pretty high-level business owners to C-level executives to what I'll call the millionaires next door to people who just want to make sure they're making the most of their social security uh, before they hit their RMDs and leave whatever's left to their kids. All shapes and sizes here in suburban Chicago. That's who I serve and that's who this podcast is meant to educate. Uh, Everybody from young families with kids looking to answer questions about guardianship, college savings, inheritance, good savings practices, to the people who maybe are empty nesters, and want to adjust to the new phase of their life. I call it the accumulation phase, once it gets the kids off the payroll. To people that are kind of approaching retirement and want to make sure they're making the right decisions tax-wise for their kids, for their health as it changes, for their surviving spouse. And then throughout retirement, as you hand the baton off to the next generation, both emotionally, financially, keeping the IRS and all the other taxing agencies out of it as much as possible. And this is kind of a relaunch. I'm calling this Death and Taxes 2.0 uh, because I've, I've relaunched this podcast now after a good amount of time off with real intent and purpose. I've learned some valuable lessons from the first season uh, starting in 2020, and I'm ready to go. I, I want everybody also to say hi to Alex. Alex is the person who will be responsible for editing this podcast, so I'm trying to make it easy for him. Avoiding that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not eating. I'm not drinking. There's there's a window here with cars that Alex might have to deal with, but he's going to make this sound good. He's the one that's going to make sure this gets posted with regularity. He's the one that's going to hold me accountable to having an episode out each and every week this year. So happy new year. Welcome to 2022 and 2.0 of the Death and Taxes podcast. I want to start with a simple question here as we get into the second phase of this Death and Taxes podcast. Question that I want to ask you is, when is the last time your tax person came to you with real specific ideas on how to save you pretty significant tax money? When's the last time you looked at your documentation for what happens when you're incapacitated or, God forbid, you pass away? If you don't know the answer to those questions, then this podcast is for you. And this episode specifically is really going to give you some good starting places for where to ask the right questions. See, the problem is that most tax professionals have their businesses set up to complete returns and may probably do payroll, you know, which is what I call a form of historical tax advice. They're telling you, here's what you owe from what you've done in the past, right? We're just under the new year. So pretty soon, We're going to get our 1099s or put all our tax information together, and we're going to present it to our tax person, and they'll tell us, okay, here's the refund you get, or here's what you owe, or whatever else it might be. And the payroll service, a lot of them add on, is to really avoid the pain for businesses of messing that up and the penalties that come with it. There's nothing wrong with that business model. It's just one that doesn't serve what I see as a specific need, which is a forward-looking approach in order to change your tax situation going forward. In order to pay as little tax as possible, you need to see forward, not just backward. 
So it's a bit of a different shift that I'm talking about here. I'm not going to be ever talking to you about how you can fill out your 1040 or what schedule you know you need to you need to add to your standard tax return. That's not what this is. This is not the the fill out the forms and comply with the IRS or your state's Department of Revenue podcast. This is about making sure that going forward for the rest of your life and really for your legacy, your kids, their kids, all those generations cascading downward can pay as little tax as possible on the money you've earned through such hard uh, work uh, and craftsmanship. So the way I see it, when it comes specifically to taxes and and lowering them, one one thing we have to start with is, is income tax. Now, there's a lot of different kinds of taxes, income tax, estate tax, capital gains tax, sales tax, property tax, all sorts of taxes, right? Import, export, <laughs> depending on what you're doing, there's, there's plenty of different taxes. I'm going to talk about income tax here because it's a good analogy for other taxes. It's a good entry level. And I think it's the most important kind of tax if you really want to take chunks out of your tax bill. And where we're at right now with income tax levels is they're historically low levels. And they'll be there probably with the way the Senate looks these days, probably they'll be there till January 1st, 2026. That's when the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act has a, their expiration of the tax cuts that you got in that act. They expire on December 31st, 2025. So on January 1st, 2026, your taxes will go up unless Congress does something sooner, uh, which I wouldn't count on. Uh, for good or for bad, <laughs> I wouldn't count on it. But the problem is, despite tax levels being in historically low levels, and by the way, let me just mention, when those taxes revert to the pre-2017 levels, they'll go up. But even those levels were pretty historically low. I think if you look at the highest income tax rates throughout our income tax history, where we're at now and where 2017 or 2016 was are both in the top five of the least taxing tax rates in our tax history. So even going up into those pre-2017 levels is not historically high. It's still pretty historically low, in fact. But anyway, the problem is, is tax advice from many professionals has not changed to the reality of the low income tax environment that we're in. I'll give you a few examples. You know, there's, a, there's kind of a knee-jerk reaction to defer income taxation, either through uh, IRA contributions, you know, is the main, or 401k contributions. Those are the main avenues. And my question is, if you're in a historically low tax environment, why would you defer income taxation into an historically high or even moderately high or any higher tax environment? I often hear from professionals also the advice of, oh, you'll just pay less taxes in retirement. And we'll, we'll get into that too. That's, that's advice that hasn't changed with the times. And finally, another example is, is with step-up and basis. You know, hey, when, you, when your kids inherit things from you, there won't be tax issues unless you have a lot of wealth. What's called the step up in basis will, will take care of tax issues for you. And I want to dive into those a little bit. And those are just three examples of advice that was, might have been right from the Nixon through beginning of the Reagan era, but really hasn't been correct in the last 30, 40 years. So let's talk about deferral. Let's say you wanted to buy a hamburger from me and I gave you an option. I said, hey, you can pay for this hamburger now or you can pay for this hamburger on Friday. And you say, oh, okay. Um, when is it going to be cheaper? Would probably be your biggest concern. When is this burger going to cost me less money? 
and you'd want to pay for the burger when it was cheapest. So if I told you, well, it'll be cheaper on Friday, it'll be $7 instead of $8, you'd probably be only wanting to pay on Friday. And if I said you it was $8 on Friday and $7 now, even considering what you could maybe do with that money between now and Friday, you'd probably just pay now to lock in that lower price of the burger. And that's the question I have when it comes to why, you're de- why people are deferring taxation now. We're in a historically low income tax environment and people are still deferring their taxes. Now, a common counter argument to what I just said is, oh, well, if you defer, instead of having the taxes come out of your IRA, for example, your gains get to compound without that tax coming out and you get to benefit from those compounding returns over your working life. And that's correct. Compounding is a really powerful thing. It's so powerful, in fact, that it even works in the negative. When you compound a deferred tax account, like your IRA or 401k, you're compounding the tax burden within that account as well. Think about that. Would you rather pay tax on a dollar now or $10 on Friday? There's a lot of uh, good parables and allegories I've heard, uh, some with religious connotations, some without. But the one I I like the most is with uh, a farmer. You know, if you gave farmers an option to pay tax on the weight of the seed that they're planting or the weight on the crops that they produce, I don't know of any farmer that will volunteer to pay tax on the weight of the crops that those seeds produce unless they really have no faith in their own ability to grow uh, crops. So just because something compounds doesn't mean it's automatically a positive. Your tax burden compounds too, and you're putting yourself at risk of future taxes being higher. The final thing I want to talk about this, this counter argument is I most often in my life have heard that counter argument. Oh, you, if you defer, you don't have the taxes out and therefore you can pound the whole thing. It's good for you. That advice usually comes from financial advisors who are uh, paid based on assets under management, meaning they get paid on how many assets they have under your management, management from you. So it doesn't matter to them the tax burden that's within those accounts. They want that account to compound as much as possible. And whatever taxes you or your surviving spouse or your kids have to pay when the money has to come out is less of a concern. So I have, I have a big issue with, with people promoting deferral based on the simple compounding argument. Because first, the taxes compound as well. And second, the advice is coming from what's called an unreliable witness, somebody who has a vested interest in you not taking time to run some tax figures to figure out what's best for you. Then there's the argument, oh, you're going to pay less taxes in retirement. There's a couple bad assumptions with this as well. It assumes that tax brackets aren't going to go up, that you're not going to have tax raises, which I think, well, statutorily, according to Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, is incorrect, but I think is also just foolish on an assumption basis as well. Taxes are going to go up. We have programs like Social Security and Medicare that Still, to this day, 10,000 baby boomers a day are enrolling in, and we have to figure out a way to pay for them. It's not a political question. It's a mathematical, economic question. Eventually, we have to pay those bills, and we're going to have to raise revenue. And that revenue is probably going to come through income tax. So I think assuming tax bracket stagnation is a big underlying fault in the assumption that you'll pay less taxes in retirement. And again, don't forget the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act has a tax increase in the act itself. Another underlying premise of this pay less taxes in retirement thought is that, oh, you'll be doing less when you retire. 
so you'll have less income needs. Is that really true? What are you doing now that you're not going to do when you retire? You know, maybe there could be an argument, oh, you don't have to, whatever chunk of money you're actually saving, you don't need because you'll be spending your money down. But first of all, saving somewhat is just a comfort blanket. Somebody's going to always want that rainy day fund there. Just because they're not saving for retirement necessarily doesn't mean they don't want their same old comfort level for their roof and their windows and an emergency medical procedure. So some those people who do save are always going to save. And second of all, most people don't even save. The savings rate in this country is incredibly low. So how much are you really saving now? How much of your paycheck that you get, the net amount, the amount that hits your bank, are you actually siphoning off the savings that you wouldn't want to save when you retire also? So usually by the time I ask those questions, it works out better that you'll probably have about the same, or you probably need about the same amount of income in retirement than you do now. Perhaps a touch less, perhaps a touch more if you have really ambitious travel plans or a family that's spread out across a continent who starts to have grandkids when you retire. Then your disposable income needs go up. And then the question that's always there, what if tax rates go up? Even if you need less money, what if the government changes the tax rates on you so that less money is still taxed at a higher rate? Between those two things, I think it's pretty foolish to think you're going to pay less taxes in retirement, especially in this environment now. Then there's the issue with step-up in basis and uh, you know, some estate tax hints thrown in there that, oh, if, unless you're really wealthy, there won't be any tax issues and retire because there's a step-up in basis, which means your, your kids get to basically in, also inherit all the gains you've gotten on investment tax-free, which is true as of this recording here. But um, that's not true on one key asset, and that is your retirement account. Your IRA, your 401k, your 403b, every penny of that is taxed at your kid's income tax level. You know, example I give with this to, to show you how stark this is for your retirement accounts. If you have three kids, let's say there's a doctor out in San Francisco, a teacher around here where I am in Kane County, Illinois, and then maybe your youngest is a, is a veteran living out in South Dakota, their income tax situations are going to be very different. And when they inherit your IRA, there's a realistic situation where your, your daughter, who's a doctor out in San Francisco, actually inherits less than half of what you give to that, your daughter in your IRA actually shows up in her bank account between federal income tax, California state tax, and, and San Francisco municipal tax. There's real scenarios where over 50% goes to the different governments and half would go to your daughter for her share. Whereas your son may be out in South Dakota, he, you know, he might be getting as much as, I don't know, 88% of, of what goes for him and only 12% is lost to tax. And maybe your daughter here in Illinois, maybe 24% goes to tax. But still, you know, you're looking at a situation where it's, if you have three kids and they all inherit an equal portion of your IRA, that the governments together, state and federal and some municipal governments, might be the second or maybe even the biggest beneficiary of your IRA. Step up doesn't do anything for that. Every penny of that is taxed. Estate tax uh, thresholds that are, you know, where you have to have millions and millions of dollars of wealth before you pay any tax don't apply to there. Every penny's taxed. And then, by the way, there's been really, frankly, I think kind of alarming, sustained talk about eliminating the step up in basis, which I think it would be a, a real shame. I think it's one of the central core elements of life in America is, 
is the inheritance of wealth from a parent, kind of, you know, on the, along the lines of the, the debt of the father does not travel on to the son type of deal. But with the widening inequality of, of wealth accumulation in this country, there's, there's going to be more political viability in, in eliminating the step up. I imagine it's going to end up being like capital gains taxation or estate taxation where John and Joe Smith that just have their house, they're passing out of the kids, aren't going to see an eliminated step up in basis. But the real estate developer that's passing on tons of properties or tons of investments or whatever it is, will have to see their kids pay some capital gains uh, on even the accumulation during a parent's lifetime. But I think it's, frankly, at this point, more likely than not, that in the next 20 years, there's some curtailing of a completely scot-free step-up in basis. So what do we arrive at as far as a conclusion goes? Remember the question I asked you at the very beginning here is, when is the last time your tax person came to you with ideas to save you money on taxes? When have you received that advice that will impact multiple generations? You know, that's what we're doing here. We're going to answer questions. That's what I do for a living, whether it's through the law, uh, on the tax code, or through quality estate planning, or through the use of financial products like life insurance or other tax advantage things like Roth. Those are where I can guide you, not to tell you where to invest or what good funds are or anything like that. I'm not a financial advisor, but that's what I do. So if you're interested in those things, give us a subscribe here. We really appreciate it. I have very ambitious goals for 2022 to grow this podcast and the other things I'm about to tell you about that Alex is going to keep me accountable to. If you don't want him on my back, you really need to subscribe so he doesn't come after me. You can also find me on Twitter. That's what I'm getting at. I'm on Twitter at Ayers Rock Plans. I'm on YouTube, Ayers Rock Planning. Instagram, Ayers Rock Planning. I'm even on TikTok, Ayers Rock Plans. My website is AyersRockPlanning.com. There's plenty of ways for you to be able to get more information, get a hold of me if you want to. But thank you for listening this far. We're going to be just at about 20 minutes here, and, and I appreciate you taking the time. New episodes will hit every week. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Give us a subscribe, give us a like, or review us. We really want to reach as many people as we can this year uh, with just some really good information that, that I think is under-delivered, but very important. So I hope you have a good week. Have a good start to your new year. I hope everybody in your life is happy and healthy, and we'll see you next week.